Chapter Twenty Three of Grace Harlowe's Fourth Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three. Grace finds her work. Commencement day dawned smilingly, as though anxious to contribute to the happiness of the four chums by putting on its most sunshiny face. A cool breeze swept across the campus and according to J. Elfreda Briggs, one didn't really mind being graduated on such a day. The hotels of Overton were well filled with friends and relatives of the graduates. The Southards, Mrs. Gray, Mrs. Pearson, and her daughter Mary, together with Mrs. Allison, Mabel, and the remainder of the eight original plus two, had been staying at the terrain for the past two days. Elfreda's father and mother had also arrived and were staying at the Wilton, an old-fashioned hotel near the campus. The four chums found it somewhat of a problem to divide their time equally among their classmates, friends, and families. During those last days their opportunities for confidential talks came only at the end of the evening, when having bade a round of affectionate good-nights, they spent a few moments in either Grace's or Miriam's room before retiring. I feel at least a hundred years old today, announced J. Elfreda Briggs as she stood arranging her hair before the mirror preparatory to putting on her cap and gown. Yes, you look quite like some grand old ruin, observed Miriam soberly as she unearthed her slippers from the depth of her closet and hunted vainly about for a shoehorn. Elfreda laid her comb on the dressing table, grinned her appreciation of this pleasantry, then giving her smoothly quiffed hair a last pat, reached for her cap. "'I'm so glad I can wear black without looking like a funeral procession,' she observed. "'Hurry, girls,' sounded Grace's clear tones outside the door. "'Tis time we were on our way.' "'Coming,' called Miriam, springing from the edge of the bed where she had sat to put on her slippers and hastily adjusting her cap. In the next instant the four friends, accompanied by Emma Dean, were hurrying across the campus to the gymnasium, where the senior class were to meet, then proceed in a body to the chapel, where the commencement exercises were to be held. The little procession of seniors walked two by two to the chapel, and to Grace, who walked with Anne, it seemed the most wonderful moment of her life. She marked the calm, almost exalted expression which Anne wore. Elfreda and Miriam, looking very stately in their black gowns, were just ahead of her and Anne, while Arlene and Ruth Denton were directly behind them. As they walked sedately down the aisle of the chapel to the places reserved for them, Grace's eyes searched the rows of seats for her father and mother, whom she spied when almost opposite them. Just as she passed their row, she managed to send one tender little glance to them, which caused their faces to glow with pride as their fond eyes followed the straight, supple figure of their daughter, who had so amply fulfilled their expectations. The exercises, while impressive to the friends of the graduates, were doubly so to the graduates themselves, who were deeply conscious of the fact that their diplomas were their passports into the real world of work and endeavour that was now about to open before them. At the conclusion of the exercises, the usual gifts and endowments to the college were announced. Among them was Thomas Redfield's annual gift to the Semper Fidelis Club, which brought forth a quick tribute of applause from the seniors, which was seconded by the entire assemblage. And lastly, allow me to mention the last and one of the most acceptable gifts ever bestowed upon the college, stated President Morton. Grace bowed her head. She had reached the very end of Senior Lane. 
A few moments and her college life would be over. She had finished her course, she had kept faith with herself, and now there remained the wide world and her work, whatever that might be. Her reflections were brought to an abrupt end by what President Morton was saying. I refer to the newly completed house at the northern end of the campus, she heard, presented to Overton and endowed by Mrs. Rose Gray as a mark of appreciation of her young friends, Grace Harlow, Miriam Nesbitt, and Anne Pearson. It is Mrs. Gray's wish that her gift to Overton College shall be known henceforth and for ever as Harlow House. Absolute silence reigned for an instant after this announcement. Then the quiet chapel echoed with the applause of the enthusiastic assemblage. President Morton waited until he could make himself heard, then went on to explain more fully that Harlow House was to be dedicated to the use of those girls who were making a struggle to acquire a college education. Then there was more applause, and Mrs. Gray was asked to address the graduates. And to think said Grace, as a little later she stood with Miriam, Anne, and Elfreda outside the chapel, surrounded by those she loved, that I know at last what my work is going to be. But we don't know, reminded her father, almost wistfully. There is only one thing for me to do, laughed Grace, her eyes shining, and that is— Oh, I know, interposed Elfreda. You're coming back to the campus to look after Harlow House. You could see that, couldn't you, Elfreda? laughed Miriam. "'How did you guess it?' asked Grace. "'Yes, I should like to come back if father and mother can spare me.' "'The rest of her friends don't count,' commented Hippy Wingate. "'You know they do, Hippy,' smiled Grace. "'I must have the permission and good will of all of them if my work is to be a success.' "'You have your mother's and my full consent, Grace,' said her father loyally. Grace made a little movement toward her parents, slipping in between them and catching a hand of each.' There's only one thing I can say, and I've said it a hundred times before. You were the dearest father and mother a girl ever had. It was rather a silent quartet that gathered for the last time in Grace's room that night. Emma Dean had left Overton on the evening train. So had Patience Elliot, Kathleen West, and Laura Atkins. The sophomores of Wayne Hall had departed before commencement, and tonight the house was very quiet. And tomorrow is another day, observed Elfreda. "'So it is, my child,' agreed Miriam. "'But we shall spend it on the train. "'Do you remember one day, ages ago, "'when Alfreda Briggs deposited her suitcase "'on Grace Harlow's feet and made herself comfortable? "'Wasn't I a vandal? "'Think what we all might have missed "'if we hadn't acquired a proprietary interest in Alfreda that day. "'And now you can't lose me. "'There, that is the first slang I've used for months, "'and on commencement day, too.' Never mind, Elfreda. It is forcible, at least. But we don't wish to lose you. You must keep your promise and come to Oakdale this summer. I will, promised Elfreda. And now suppose we have one last sad tea party. It was almost midnight before Miriam and Elfreda went softly down the oppressively quiet hall to their room. Are you happy, Anne? asked Grace slipping her arm about her friend and drawing her to the window where dark against the moonlit sky rose the tower of Overton Hall. Almost too happy for words, and yet I dread leaving Overton. You must come back next year and visit me. I do hope I shall make a good house mother. Do you know, Anne, in my mind I've already picked out a motto to hang over my door. It is, Blessed are they that have found their work. 
End of chapter 23